Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode one in the first season of what I hope to be at least a few of the Down to the Roots podcast. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined by Matthew Karagich, the host of the second or Swina Bundesliga uh, podcast that you can also catch. Uh, I'll make sure in the episode notes to give you links to his socials and a link to his podcast as well, so you can listen in. Um, but thank you so much for joining me, Matthew. No, my pleasure. Um, let's start with a simple icebreaker question uh, that I'm going to be asking folks. Um, so what was your favorite football shirt growing up? And did you have a name and number on it? Oh, good question. I mean, I think the best one that I had as a kid. Oh, um, I, I had this one. It was a Newcastle United shirt when I was like six and it had Alan Shearer on the back. Um, so I think, I think that I don't actually know where that is, to be honest, it doesn't fit obviously, but yeah, that one, when, when I was a kid playing, playing, um, football, um, yeah, Alan Shearer was the guy. I just loved him, loved the way he went about it. And I loved the way I just loved this, his simple, his simplistic celebration, the one hand up in the air and everyone getting around him. So yeah, Alan Shearer. Great. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you got started with soccer, um, did you play for clubs and uh, work your way through some of the leagues first for a while? Uh, it's quite weird because I didn't really play it at school. And I played one year of club of club soccer, which was interesting because we weren't a particularly good team and it, it, it made it difficult. My, my, my love of the game kind of actually peaked quite later. Um, so after, after I finished high school and, when it, and was going into university, um, that's when, you know, I really started to invest my time in, into into the game and start to write about it and cover it. So yeah, not 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 as a, as a younger individual. I, I think I played like one year of club and uh, maybe one year in like junior school. But I mainly played like Aussie rules footy and 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 cricket and basketball and those were the sports I was into. It was more of a late bloomer when it came to came to soccer. Great. Um, so. How did you come then to enjoy this final Bundesliga all the way from Australia? Did you spend any time living in Europe? Uh, I wish that would be, that's one for the bucket list, but um, yeah, it just kind of came about. We, we was, I was just kind of looking through um, some stuff with the Bundesliga and it kind of just found me. And once I started to learn a little bit about the league and some of the teams and kind of some of the shenanigans that comes along with the Zweite Bundesliga, it became a, a good match and I just started following it. And it was a really good good thing to do. And then, yeah, uh, down the road, a bunch of opportunities came up. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what prompted you to start your own podcast focusing on this final Bundesliga and how did you get the opportunity to meet and begin working with Eva, your co-host? Uh, yes. So... So Johnny Walsh, who is the social media manager for FC Köln, he was the one who actually started the podcast and he did a few episodes by himself in the, uh, if I can remember, it was, this, it was the season Kaiserslautern and, and uh, Eintracht Braunschweig went down. And we're kind of talking about how, you know, his podcast would benefit from having a second person. And I kind of just like, offhandedly said hey I can be the second 
you're kind of your secondary person and just as an off chance he he wanted to do that and when he took the job at Kern, which was early in like the first full season of the podcast, uh, I took over from there. And in one of those episodes that we were doing, uh, he introduced me to Eva. And um, when when I kind of took over fully from from Johnny, it became pretty evident to me that Eva was one of the people that I really wanted to continue doing it with. And yeah, it's um it's kind of how that happened. And yeah, we're entering our fourth full season of doing the podcast so yeah it's it's been it's been a, an interesting journey to hear yeah it's pretty yeah this was definitely my first year really keeping an eye on this fine Bundesliga uh thanks in no small part to your podcast I think I picked it up around match day 26 27 I think it was and then saw it throughout um so but looking back at the last few years it seems like the Bundesliga, the Spina Bundesliga is a competition that's typically down to the wire. Um, uh, would that be a fair characterization? Yes. I mean, the season before last, where Bielefeld won the title, it was close until it wasn't. It always had the feeling that Bielefeld were going to go on and win and win comfortably. But usually there's probably about four or five teams that we, we kind of identify as promotion candidates and the rest are typically in the mix and can cause a bit of havoc. So it's definitely in terms of its longevity and the overall kind of spectrum of how you want a league to be, it's perfect because there's always something happening. And, and, you know, as much as you look at the Bundesliga and they market things as football as it's meant to be, that's actually the division below because we actually don't have to preempt who's already going to win. So that's yeah. it's part for the course of the joy of the Spider Bundesliga is we don't actually really know who's going to win. I know beginning of um, the last season, we got a bunch of people to predict what the table would look like, including ourselves. And only a couple of us actually got Borkham as a promotion Um as promoted and champion and the rest of us got it completely wrong. So yeah, it, it is good fun knowing that, you know, there are a bunch of teams that could really make a run for promotion and this, uh, this upcoming season is no different. Yeah. I think I was looking back at the, I think there was almost like a 10 point gap when Bielefeld went up and which, and I looked, it was like, Hmm, that sounds interesting. And then I started looking at leagues and it was like two points here, three points there, four points there and not a lot going on so no it's good to know i that's definitely is one of the reasons that i was attracted to find bundesliga because you couldn't say after match day 30 it was done and dusted so um so from an outsider's perspective i mean me not the expert you being the expert um there there, there looks like there's a lot of movement up and down through this fine bundesliga to the bundesliga and likewise downward um, what do you, what would you attribute that to? It's just different clubs peaking at different times or? It is quite difficult. Money obviously plays a bit of a role in, in which teams are going to be competitive and, and which aren't. I mean, there are some outliers. If you take the last couple of seasons, you look at Nuremberg, Hanover, two sides you typically would associate with making it run a promotion. Two seasons ago, Nuremberg were, were virtually a kick away from being relegated in the playoffs. And, you know, Hanover this season had a very, very bizarre season that ended in 
uh, a change of manager um, at the end of the season and, you know, almost a need of a reboot because they've got a lot of things going on off the field with, with Martin Kind, who is really the bane of really Hanover and continues to meddle with the club. And it, it is difficult because like, it's not like in say England, for example, where when you, they talk about the championship as being the best secondary division, but it really can't be when teams like Norwich continue to yo-yo up and down the, the, the top two divisions um, and then you've got teams like, you know, Bournemouth, Watford, you know, teams that really don't aspire the masses. It's nothing disrespectful to those fans of their clubs. But, you know, quite frankly, you look at English football and there's only ever six teams that people care about. And then there's just the rest. So, you know, with, with, with the Zweite with Bundesliga and, and you, I guess you don't ever know what's going to happen. And, and this season will be no different where, you know, you've got Schalke, Hamburg, Bremen is going to be another, like, it is going to be fascinating to see. You'll see if Dusseldorf can really resurge. Will Hanover have a better season? Um, what will Kiel do after, you know, falling short in the playoff? There's Heidenheim who are typically there and about. And they, I mean, you could rattle off nine teams and be like, hey, these teams have, a shout of promotion comparatively to, you know, maybe this year's championship will be a bit different, but, you know, ultimately it's, you know, there are, there are, there are probably too many variables at play when it comes to those who could make a run. Yeah. So without, I won't ask you to predict ahead of your preview (laughs) show and, and probably about a month's time now, right? Less than a month's time uh, for, for the kickoff of your season. Um, Do you think with, Schalke and Bremen coming down. Um, on, on one hand, do you think we'll see an improvement in the quality of football that's played in this Find the Bundesliga? Oh, good question. Maybe. I mean, we have to remember that both sides were incredibly terrible last season. I mean, Schalke were just next level. And Bremen themselves were just they kind of were able to mask their their mediocrity the year before with the um with the away goal win over Heidenheim in that in that playoff so it should i mean you know Schalke have brought in a, a number of players from the Zweite Bundesliga obviously Simon Terodde is the big one who you know scored what feels like a trillion goals in in the, in the league for you know for seven different clubs so I think so. I mean, you look at Bremen as well. Marcus Anfang is a very good manager and he's a bit of a polarizing figure. People, he can rub people the wrong way. You look at his time in Curl and they were top of the league and they sacked him uh, with three match days to go. Um, and he was a native, oh, he's a native of Curl. So, you know, it tells you a lot about the man, you know, his thing at Darmstadt was getting there, uh, had. Had he stayed there, I would have recommended they would be a chance for promotion. But he also saw the tea leaves that Darmstadt have their own problems internally and, and took the Bremen job, which you know he should do quite well with. Their squad is relatively the same from last season, obviously minus lots of uh, Rashidza. You know, Pavlenka will probably end up going. Gebra Selassie. Um, so, yeah, I think the quality of football will improve. 
those two teams couldn't be any worse than they were the previous season. So they, they've got an, the good thing for them is they've got a blank canvas to re, to hit the reset button and try again, which will be hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see some better football from them. But um, as a collective, as a league, let's hope we get some good football as well. So will will the German clubs will they get parachute payments like they do in the in the Premier League to go down or, and go up? Um, uh, DFB or whatever? Um, not entirely sure it, what the case is with, with the relegation and all that. But all I know is, is obviously their TV revenue, which is the big kind of talking point. Um, that, you know, that will obviously diminish. People will keep an eye on, I think it was the September date. If Schalke don't pay a certain amount, they'll be deducted a bunch of points, like six points. So, um yeah, I mean, obviously Schalke needs the money more than any club at the moment. Um, so they obviously have to keep selling players like Harry will probably end up going. I would expect Kabak to get signed up by, I think it was Leverkusen or, or Leipzig were, were after him. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what, what they how, how they kind of integrate finances from teams who go down, but obviously that the, the amount of TV money that they will receive will diminish quite significantly. Yeah. So, and I know you don't spend a huge amount of time on your pod uh, talking about the Dresda Liga, but mm-hmm. would you say there are like substantial differences between the football there and then the Sfina Bundesliga? Cause I mean, I've seen like Ingolstadt has made their way up and down and up and back and down, but they do seem to start, seem to find their way back up. Uh, it's it's actually quite similar. What we see is Dritzliga sides. I mean, there are probably one in each promotion set that really can't handle the side of Bundesliga. Würzburger kickers last season, although they had some pretty good wins um, at home, they really struggled to really adapt to the, to the style of football. Wiesbaden, although it was fun to, to see something really radical in the way that they played, they couldn't handle it, and but there are teams that can that that swim. They do very well, and you know, I think a lot of people have Ingolstadt as a team that could really adapt back to the Zweite Bundesliga because they were basically a Zweite Bundesliga side minus being in the second division. So you know, I think I think with them, and then you've got Dynamo coming up, and Hansa Rostock who haven't been in the league for ten years or so. So. I think I think when you when you look at it, there's actually not a lot of you know there, there are actually a lot of similarities in, in the way the football is played. I mean, obviously there's more teams in the Drisseliga and you know you get a variety of smaller teams like say Victoria Berlin, who are you know their first time in the in the Drisseliga and uh, you get Phil and and there's all these really nice small teams, um, which which adds for the atmosphere. I guess that's the thing. Is the only the only kind of downside with the Jerusalem is you get the the Svi teams, the second teams make their way, and honestly, I think that's really it partially diminishes that competition because it really shouldn't um, they really shouldn't be allowed to play uh, as it is the last professional league before you go to the amateurs. But overall, I would say that there probably aren't too many. Oh, sorry, there are there are quite a few similarities in the way they play. That's why. Comp- Compared to maybe teams going up from the side of Bundesliga to the Bundesliga, um, you know, 
they are able to adapt a little bit better. Yeah, and that's a good. It's actually a good segue into my next question. I was watch. I was looking back at previous seasons, and it seemed it was a couple years ago. I uh, mean, 2020, uh, Bayern Munich two had won mm. the league, but then they weren't allowed to go up to this final Bundesliga. Uh, was that due to some restrictions? And are those teams able to play each other in the Pokal or other German competitions, just not in this? in the leagues so from what i'm aware that they are they're not of it they're not allowed to be promoted the dritz liga is the highest form of competition uh they're allowed to play in and as we saw in this year's dritz liga they might have won at the previous campaign but then they were rele- they were subsequently relegated because the coach um ended up joining hoffenheim and most of the players that were in that squad were found themselves on on other Zweite Bundesliga sides like Christian Fuchtel, uh, Lars Lukas Mai. Uh, this season, we'll see the return of Jan Fieter Arp, who will be at Holstein Kiel. I don't believe they're eligible to either play in the, the Paul Karl. I remember there was a situation back in the 70s where Hertha Berlin's second team made it all the way to the final of the Paul Karl. I can't remember what, I can't remember the exact year, but off the top of my head. So I, I, don't believe they were, well, they didn't compete in the Pokal last season. So I think they're, I'm pretty certain there's a restriction on them being eligible to play in that. And they, um, and, and with teams in the Drisseliga, typically it's the, the teams that are relegated from the side of Bundesliga get a place and then they all have to win their sort of regional cup, regional Pokal before, uh, before they can qualify. So we see teams like, um, you know, 1860 Munich are in a, um, you know, uh, BFC Dinamo, who, who play in the, in the fourth division, they always seem to win their regional uh, regional Pokal. So, yeah, so which is good. It's good that you know those teams aren't really eligible. I think they would profit from almost taking what the Premier League does, where they've got prim, what they call Premier League Two, which is all the second teams play against each other. Because at the moment, it's a bit it's a bit radical that you've got. Um, second teams playing in, in what is essentially a, an actual professional league. It's not really beneficial for anyone bar those teams because it's just, I think it's ridiculous. So what, what happened then with the other promotion spot uh, when Bayern Munich was at second top? So the so second and third went up. So that year it was Würzburg and Braunschweig and then Ingolstadt who were in fourth, they would they went into the playoffs and they played Nuremberg and uh, Nuremberg would win that in the end. So, yeah. So if that does happen again, so like, for example, they just go one position down. So, so Bayern won the, the trophy, but they don't get promoted or um, I think Freiburg's fires in the, is in the Drisseliga this season. And yeah, if they were to say finish second, the team that finished third would actually get automatically promoted. And then the team that's fourth would make the playoffs. Oh, very good. So um, for us Americans, uh, the idea of the 50 plus one uh, in German football is not something that we have um, or pro rel leagues, which is probably mm. a topic for another day. Uh, <laughs> as much as it is my chagrin that we don't have pro rel. Um, can you talk a little bit about the practice as it pertains to the divisions of German football? So our American listeners can understand. Yeah, so the 50 plus one is 
basically it ensures that kind of outside investors can't take control of the club. So you have, it's, it's always going to be a fan owned sort of situation. You look at teams, the Premier League, I always go back to the Premier League because it is the easiest to talk about. Premier League clubs are owned and operated by sort of consortiums or, you know, really wealthy individuals who, let's be frank, don't particularly care about the club. It's kind of their little play toy. Look at me, I own Manchester City, for example, or look at me. Uh, you talk about the American, like there are American owners who own Liverpool, the Fenway group, where you've got the Glazers who own uh, Manchester United. And, and obviously we saw the scenes this year where, you know, the Glazers and, and all those teams were trying to enter that Super League and, and we saw France and, and Germany remain resolute not to enter that and completely be a waste of time for everybody. So, so basically they have obviously general meetings and that's where the 50 plus one really kind of it enacts itself where the, the club members, which you can, anyone can become a member, uh, you go through this process and then basically these general meetings, they vote on things like ticket prices and, and the direction of where the club is going and they will appoint people to kind of be in charge in, in place of what the members are asking and, it's a good system because it keeps, you know, the, the fans far more connected within the clubs. It feels, well, the club is theirs. It just has financial help from maybe there's an investor who comes in, but that investor will never get any form of meaningful control unless, you know, the likes of Martin Kin, for example, get their way. And they, they cause they're, they're very anti um, 50 plus one. There are ways around it. We saw, we've seen Leipzig. They are the, they're the one that have that have actually got around the system where they basically they've got 20 members and I think they're all Red Bull employees. So that's their it was farcical how they got into the Bundesliga in the first place. But um yeah, basically those 20 members are all part of Red Bull and they, you know, the the fans are almost weirdly okay with it. It's a weird situation in Leipzig because they're kind of anonymous to what's really going on. They have no control of their club. It's just all the people in Red Bull kind of deciding what's going to happen and that's the direction they take. I mean, there are differences with like Wolfsburg owned and operated by Volkswagen, you know, the Bayer Leverkusen's and Hoffenheim in itself is its own unique situation, but typically the, the, the true, you know, the traditional football clubs of German football, they have, you know, they have the members that really control it. They just have people kind of, on their behalf, run the clubs. It's a, it's a it's a good dynamic, and that's why, you know, we've seen people in England outcry. Oh, we want fifty plus one, but that system would never work because football over there is so commercialized. It's already it's kind of already too late when when they kind of made the split in the nineties to make the Premier League. That sealed the deal, really. So um, I, there are two American footballers that I'm aware of in this Final Business League for next year. It's Matthew Hopp or Hoppy of Shakta mm-hmm. and Josh Sargent of Verde Bremen. Are there any other Americans of note that are playing in the league that you're aware of that we should be keeping our eyes on? I don't believe so off the top of my head. Um, it will be interesting to see whether sergeant remains at bremen i've heard talk that he could be on the outer i expect him to stay there because he he actually could use it for his development don't think he's uh i think he needs to play and it needs to know what it's like to play in a team that's good 
because mm. those Bremen teams he's played in have been lower to middle of the range at best. And Matthew Hoppe, his story is quite fascinating. He only scored one regular league goal before um, he was chucked into the spotlight um, of a team that was just hopelessly bad. Um, so, <clears throat> again, another good opportunity for him. They just sold uh, Ahmed Kutucu uh, to a Turkish side this, today. Um, so he's going to have opportunities. He may play alongside Simon Terodde unless, you know, there's a club that comes calling and, and they offer a handsome sum of money, which of course Schalke needs. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see that they, they, it could be a, a weird, you know, situation where both of them don't see out the season because they've either been sold to another club or, um, you know, there are a bunch of different situations available. So it, it will be interesting. They, they are the two that obviously a lot of Americans will watch. Um, you know, if ESPN Plus shows all the games. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's something that we'll be watching out for. But yeah, obviously I'll be hoping that Hoppy can uh, score a few goals if he does end up playing this that's season. You're a Schalke supporter, right? Yep. Not very good. <laughs> is it the Royal Blues? Is that right? Yes. Yep, it is. Uh, yeah, good I'm club. slowly learning my club nicknames. So, so. Good. So, um, so looking back um, this past season from the Spina Bundesliga, what would you say player, team, or both, I'll leave it to your discretion, surprised you in a good way? And what would you say surprised you in a negative way? Uh, I think it has to be probably Borkham. I had them mid-table or that kind of like they were, they were almost out of mind, out of sight at the start of the season. And yeah, they just produced a hell of a campaign. I think Furt would be in that same bracket as well because they weren't really a team that I had penciled in as, oh, they could really challenge for a promotion. I think I had them in 12th at the start of the season. But yeah, definitely the two promoted sides were almost a shot in the dark. I don't think anyone really, I mean, a few had Borkham, but Furt especially were not someone I think anyone really legitimately thought would have a chance of promotion. So they really surprised and in terms of player, I think you have to go with the, the guy who was the best all season, and that's Robert Schul. And, you know, he, 15 goals, 15 assists, the catalyst behind Borkham's resurgence to the Bundesliga. And, you know, I think the, the great shame is that we won't see him in the Bundesliga because he he's joined uh, Al Itihad in, in, in Qatar just a few days ago. So, you know, he... I think that that's kind of disappointing, but I can understand. I think, you know, we, we do this thing where we scold players for taking the money, but, you know, they got family. We don't know their situation. They, you know, they've got families. And I, I remember Oscar was talking about it when he joined uh, the Chinese Super League and, you know, after, after leaving Chelsea. And, you know, he's right in the sense that if you've got a family support, you want them to live their best life and live with the comforts of financial stability. And, and what we've seen is that, you know, those who have gone to Asia or gone to play in America because it's been financially more beneficial, you know, that's kind of, the, I would say, the, the, the really the story behind it. In terms of teams that were disappointing, it's, for me, it's Hanover because I had them top at the start of the season. I think I had something outlandish that went Vidant and... Uh, Marvin Duke scored 20 goals apiece. Hanover will run to the Bundesliga and 
Uh, they will, you know, Vardant, I think, at four goals and he wants to be their highest paid player. And, you know, he was just awful. And, and then Dukes was a slow starter and he got it going towards the end, but it didn't really matter. It was kind of academic and it, they had a horrible season Hanover. So I think you look at them and they really needed to hit the reset button. I did have my doubts when Kokach was signed. And I was kind of, it was kind of justified because they, their season never really got up and going and they just, yeah, they found, they would find, they found new ways to not win uh, much like Hamburg did pretty much as we entered uh, what would be spring in Europe. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think that wraps up the questions for this first episode. Uh, uh, Super, super grateful to Matthew for coming on. Um, looking forward to seeing what this fine Bundesliga has to offer in this upcoming season. Uh, stay tuned for future episodes of this. Um, we're hoping to uh, make a good run of this. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.